Welcome to week one of our series, This Is Us. Now, let me ask any fans of the TV series, This Is Us. Go ahead. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Get on the, I know it's more than that. Y'all just like we don't talk about what we do outside the church, Kelly. Uh, well, my wife is a huge fan of this show. Uh, I don't think there has been one episode that she has not cried. Uh, but if you are not familiar with the premise, let me give you a little bit about what the show's about. The show follows the lives of three siblings, Kevin, Kate, and who else? There are no real fans of this show in this place. Kevin, Kate, and Randall. Their parents are Jack and Rebecca Pearson. Kevin and Kate are the two survivors of a triplet pregnancy that was six weeks early. And uh, their brother was uh, born stillborn. And, and so you've got Jack and Rebecca that believe they were meant to have three kids. So they go out and adopt an African-American baby that was born on the very same day that their twins were born. And that's where Randall comes in. Now, now the show mainly takes place in the present, but there are some flashbacks to tell you how they got to where they are, what, what happened to get them to where, where, where they're at today. Now, and that's kind of what we're going to do with this series. We're going to talk about the present state of the church. Not just Watts Bar. When I say the church, I mean the church in general. The, the ch church that Jesus Christ gave his life for. We're going to have some flashbacks from the past. Talk about how we got here. But then we're going to look at the future. Because I believe it's important that we have a direction of where we're going. Amen? And so to do that, uh, we're going to start by looking at the very first church. And that's found in the book of Acts. If you have a Bible... Want to turn? Go ahead and turn there with me. Uh, if not, I'm going to put it on the screen. But before we dive into that, how many know that Kyle Watts Bar Home, how, what, what is next Sunday, November 3rd? BYOF Day, Bring Your Own Friend Day. Um, I, as your pastor, I want to encourage you to get outside your box to bring someone, a co-worker, a neighbor, a friend, uh, uh, somebody you go to school with, uh, to bring them. And you say, PK, uh, are, are you just about numbers? I'm not. But the statistics of those that die without a relationship with Jesus are staggering. Let me give you some of them. Worldwide, 55.3 million people die each year. Without knowing Jesus. 151,600 people die each day without him. 6,316 people die each hour without a relationship knowing that Jesus forgives. 105 people die every minute without knowing Jesus. While I just share those stats with you, 105 people went on into eternity. That's why I'm stressing to you, bring your friends. Bring someone that needs to hear the gospel. Do not keep this to yourself because we don't know, uh, we don't know the hour of the time when, when we're going to pass away, when somebody we love is going to be gone. 
and the, the opportunity for us, what I don't want to happen is for you to look back and say, man, I wish I had invited. I wish I gave them the opportunity to hear the gospel. Get this, 82% of people that don't go to church say that if a friend invited them, they would go. 82%. Now, here's a sad statistic. 2% of those that call themselves followers of Jesus over the past year have never invited or are, are the only ones that invited someone. That means 88% of those that call them followers of Jesus don't invite some people to church. And so we've got to do better, church. Amen? Come on, amen? Now, I'm going to put some people on the spot. How many that call what's more home? If you're visiting or you've been coming a week or so and you're not sure you this is where you're at, uh, you'll probably know that after today's message. Because uh, you're either going to be really convicted or just ticked off and say, I'm never coming back again. Uh, one of the, I'm shooting for one of the two. Uh, so Because if, if you're not meant to be here, no, nah, let's go. Uh, but how many will say, hey, PK, you know what? I'm going to make a promise to you, to God, and myself that next Sunday I'm going to do my best. If I have to hound somebody and they say, I'm going to go just to get you off my back, I, next Sunday I'm bringing somebody. Come on. Where my watch bar? You call this home. All right. Look around. Look around. Don't keep your hands up. Look around. Look around. All right. Now, we had about the same result at 9 a.m. I'm expecting 9 a.m. and 11 to be overflowing. I'm expecting our people. Why? Because I'm telling you, next week we're going to present the gospel. Next week, it'll be their decision. You say, Kelly, they don't like church. Great. This is the perfect church to invite them to. We are not your average church. Amen? Yeah. Come on, Wasabar. Y'all got to talk to me today. So, are y'all ready to jump into today's message? All right. Uh, Acts 2. Let's check this out. Starting with verse 42. All the believers. How many of the believers? How, how many? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. What were the four things they devoted themselves to? Teaching, fellowship, sharing meals, and a prayer. Let's go on, verse 44. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread together in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, all the, where, all the while praising God, enjoying the favor of the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day. I love the way the passion ends that last verse. It says it like this. And the Lord kept adding to their numbers daily, daily those who were coming to life. I love that. Uh, the book of Acts, we literally see the first church begin to take shape, begin to form. And in that passage, I pointed out to you the four things that they did. They devoted themselves to teaching, fellowship, sharing a meal, and Prayer, prayer. Can I tell you, over 2,000 years later, the instructions they got 
to, to devote themselves to those four things has not changed. It's not changed. God still wants us devoted to teaching, fellowship, sharing in meals, and to prayer. And now, it, these four commitments, it was those four commitments that this church was founded on 37, over 37 years ago. Those four commitments. With mom passing away, the last founder of this church, I felt like God told me, and I share this with our leadership and staff over the past week, that God said, you're getting ready to enter into a new era. This church is. A new season. Uh, things may look different. Things, things may seem different, feel different. But I'll tell you this, those four things are still going to be part of this culture, no matter what it looks like. Are you with me? One word, though, that really sticks out to me in verse 42. We're going to read this. I just want to see if the word that sticks, see if it's the same word that sticks out to you. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. What one word sticks out to you? Devoted. They devoted themselves. They devoted the all, all, not 20%. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, sharing in meals, and to prayer. Truth is, a lot of times what we do can feel more like obligation than devotion. It can feel more like tradition than devotion. But the Bible says they were devoted, meaning they were passionate about what had happened in their lives. And they were passionate about sharing. And because of their passion, because of their devotion, here's what happened. Each day, the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. That's the first century church, the church. Can I tell you, that's the way God still wants it to operate today. The church. The church. See, the problem is when we say the church, it's a little confusing. And we don't really know what that means, the church. A lot of different views of what it means, the church. But I want you to understand what we're talking about. So I, I sent out a text to a, a few of our people. And I said, what is your best definition of the church? And I got several back, and they emailed me. So I, I came up with a con conglomeration of them all. And here's when I say the church, here's what I'm talking about right here. The church is a lot more than a building or what we do on Sunday. It's a group of people who have been called out by God. The thing they have in common is not their ethnicity, fashion style, taste in music, or socioeconomic standing. It's Jesus. They love Jesus, pursue his mission, and live for his glory. That's what it means when I say the church. And that right there, this is us. That's who we are. Last week, we took in uh, what we call new members. Y'all know me. I hate that phrase. I'd rather call them owners. But we took them in. But here's the truth of it. If you come here. And you, you, you say, you know what, I'm jacked up, I'm broken, I'm messed up. Here's my, what I say to you. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. You're not going to stick out. In fact, you may be the, one of the sanest ones here. Come on. Let's get real with it. And, and I'm convinced. 
by my own life, by my brother's life, by countless others, that God specializes in using people like us. I'm telling you. Uh, another thing about this passage that we read, uh, look, it says they ate together. See, that's not a Pentecost or Baptist thing. It's just a church thing. The first church started, we getting together, what you bringing? <laughs> We're going to eat. We're going to eat when we get together. It, it says every day they continue to meet together. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread and ate together. But, but Jesus did the same thing. When you think about all the times that Jesus sat down and shared a meal with people, the book of Luke alone talks about ten times that Jesus sat down. Just in the book of Luke, there's ten occasions where Jesus sat down and had a meal with someone. One of the, in Luke 5, Jesus shares a, a meal with tax collectors. Now, if you know anything about tax collectors during this time, they weren't as respected and loved as they are today. If you're a tax collector, I apologize. Um, no, Jewish tax collectors, they were complete outsiders from their people. They were considered traitors to their own people. They, they, they were hated. Jesus sat down and ate with them. In Luke 7, Jesus went to Simon the Pharisee's house. Well, and out of nowhere, here comes a woman that the Bible says, a sinful woman, a known sinful woman, comes in and Jesus welcomes her. In Luke 9, Jesus feeds 5,000. We know it is 5,000, but the, it says 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Theologians say that number could have been anywhere between 14 to 20,000 that was fed that day. And Jesus feeds them. In Luke 10, Mary and Martha, he's there at their house. You know the story when, Mary, when Martha comes complaining to Jesus that Mary's not helping uh, and in Luke 11, Jesus went to another Pharisee's house to eat, and the Pharisees got offended because the disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate, and Jesus used it as a teaching moment. In, in Luke 19, if you don't invite Jesus, Jesus is going to invite himself to your house. He looks at Zacchaeus. Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Get a meal ready. Luke 22, the Last Supper. And then even after his death and resurrection in Luke 24, twice he sits down and has a meal. And that's just eight of the ten. And there are numerous other times. Uh, you remember Jesus going to a party? Remember that? And he turns the water into wine? Contrary to popular belief, he didn't turn the water into grape juice. Really, boy, Yeah. Move on, Pastor Kelly. <laughs> Welches. That's what Jesus served that day. But, but here's the thing. Do you know why the Pharisees and the religious people got so angry when they saw Jesus sitting down with known prostitutes, uh, with known sinners and tax collectors? Because in that time, when you sat down to share a meal with someone, here's what you were saying. I accept you as you are. I choose to be in a relationship with you. 
And they could not believe why Jesus would knowingly know that, what their culture says, why he would do that, why he would sit down with these known sinners and say, I choose to be in relationship with you. I accept you just as you are. And they couldn't handle it. In Revelation 3, Jesus makes it clear about his dinner table. Let's check this out. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens, I will come in and eat with that person. See, to Jesus, the dinner table was a place of connection. You ever sit down to eat with someone and start talking, and you find out stuff about them you never knew? It's a place of connection, and that's what it is for Jesus. And so with that being said, I want to tell you that we as a church, we're throwing a dinner party. Throwing a dinner party. But there are some things you need to know about this dinner party. If you're taking notes, which I highly recommend that you do, because I spend a lot of time coming up with these spill-ins and printing them out, and don't waste the church's paper. Or No, let's go. The first thing you need to know is this. Jesus is hosting this dinner party. Jesus is hosting it. He's sending invites out to anyone and everyone, regardless of their past, regardless of their gender, ethnicity, social standing. He's sending them out. Why? Because as I've said over and over and over is this. You have never locked eyes with someone that does not matter to the heart of God. And he's sending invites out to everyone. You matter to God. I matter to God. Your neighbor matters to God. That boss you think's a jerk matters to God. That teacher that you think is so unfair, they matter to God. They matter. You matter to God. Listen, when it comes down to it, I'm grateful for the worship team. I am. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for those that serve in sound and media. I'm grateful for the nursery workers. If you're not applauding, you don't have a baby you get to drop off. Uh, I'm, applaud- I'm grateful for WB kids workers. They get, we get to drop the kids. I'm grateful for everyone that serves. But at the end of the day, you know what? It's not about them. Everything we do here is about Jesus. It's all about him. It's not for him. He's hosting us. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the way, truth, and the life. Jesus is the king of kings. It's all about him. The second thing you need to know about this party. Jesus wants everyone at this table. He wants everybody at this table. Luke 14, Jesus tells this parable about this great banquet. And if you didn't know, this parable is a great metaphor about the kingdom of God and about the church. And Jesus is the host in this parable. He throws this party. And not one of those, it's not one of those parties where, you know, only certain people can come. You got to be on the guest list. The elite. He's just throwing it for everybody. You see, at the table, Jesus is setting, everyone is welcome. Now, are y'all ready? Because Denise told me, she said, baby, listen, you sound a little intense in some sections. I said, I'll try to tone it down. It's probably not going to happen, but I'll try. <laughs> Everyone at this table is welcome. That's the one the table Jesus setting. Even those that don't look like you. Even those that may have a different accent than you have. 
even those that don't believe like you believe. Even those that don't worship like you, they're welcome at this table. Those that don't think like you, they're welcome at this table. Now, I know this is going to be hard for you right now. Even those that don't vote the way you vote are welcome at this table. Are you hearing me? I could care less about your political affiliation when it comes to the kingdom of God. My question is, do you know him? Are you hearing me? Do you know him? Because Jesus says they're all welcome. They're all welcome at my table. I, I love my brother Casey's definition that he sent me of the church. This is what he said. The church is a mobile or stationary unified reflection of Jesus. Jesus loves, loves, loves us. And the real church doesn't get to pick and choose who it loves. We are an extension of Christ's hands are and heart. I love it. He loves, loves, loves us. And we don't get to pick and choose. Are you with me? Come on now. When you look at the table of Watch Bar Church, you see misfits. You see the poor. You see those living on welfare. You see those that, that have six-figure incomes. You see those from different ethnicities, different backgrounds. You see, you, you see people from every walk of life, even in Decatur, Tennessee. And can I say this? If a different ethnicity bothers you, if it makes you uncomfortable, you either better be praying for God to change your heart or you better change churches. Because this place is about to be full of everyone. At our 9 a.m., I was telling my brother this week, he said, man, we've got two new African-American families that are coming to our 9 a.m. service. I said, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Because I want this to be a diverse church. I don't want a white church. I don't want a black church. I want a Jesus church. That's what I want. I'm telling you. Here's the thing. You are welcome at this church. Even if you vote for, even if you root for another team besides Timothy Vaughn. <laughs> Listen, we believe in sinners welcoming sinners. We've got Gator fans and Alabama fans that attend here. God loves them all. Third thing you need to know about this dinner that we're throwing. We need everyone to bring their gift to the table. Their gift or gifts. Their time. Their ability. Their resources. See, to be a follower of Jesus, that doesn't mean you're a bystander or a spectator. Are you hearing me? Can you imagine this table? And listen, this is, I told my wife, I said, I want a table that looks like a banquet. This is what we had at the church, folks. You want a better table? Some of you need to start tithing. I forgot my point I was making. Hold on a minute. Let me see. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine this table? Fix. It's got all the fixings on it. It's got food, man. It's got sweet tea by the gallons. It's got, I mean, dessert, but nobody there. You see, there may be food there, but we need conversation that occurs around the table. 
We need the fellowship that occurs around the table. We need the bad, even the bad jokes that Pastor Ben tells around the table. <laughs> See, Pastor Ben, you hit me, I'm going to hit you back, man. I got to... I mean, can you imagine this table when everything's good, but nobody's there to get it? Nobody's there to share in it. Anybody ever been, listen, this is a rhetorical question. Anybody here ever been to a potluck dinner? Listen, I'm looking at you. Y'all been to a lot of potlucks. Don't lie. I've been right there with you. In fact, our church, if we're not good at anything else, we're good at throwing a good potluck. I mean, we're, we're good at it. We've had several potlucks here at the church. Uh, I just went to our Goins family reunion, and it's a huge potluck, man. I love going. You know one of the reasons I love going to it? I know I'm going to get to, I'm not, the, I'm not responsible for the whole dinner. And I get to show up and enjoy what other people brought to the table. I know my Aunt Shirley is going to have her chicken and dumplings there. I'm not talking Cracker Barrel mess. I'm talking about the real deal. I know one of my cousins, either Brian or another one, is going to be over on the grill cooking up some baby back ribs. I know one of my aunts is going to bring a big pot of pinto beans and cornbread. And then, you know, we always got Cousin Eddie that you look at and he brings something you're like, what is that? Uh, I'm not sure what he brought. That may be roadkill. But... But that's one of the things, and, and that's one of the things I love about the potluck, about here's the same. I get to sample different things when we have it. I, I, I get to sample Jackie Kerber's, her, her famous egg rolls. If you're not yelling, you've not had one. I get to have Brian Miranda, or Brian Moore, he says it's him more than Miranda. But those buffalo chicken stuff he makes, I don't even know what it is, but it's good. Uh, I get to sample different, I get to sample one of the 20 chicken casseroles that show up. (laughs) What are you making? Ah, casserole. (laughs) And the desserts, come on now. Dirt cake. Then you got banana pudding. Now, I don't know if you've ever had banana pudding when it's warm. Oh, my Lord. That's like heaven in a spoon. <laughs> and then you've got Faye's strawberry and pretzel stuff. That's all I know to call it. <laughs> I, I mean, that, that is a great thing. And my point is this. Different people different bring different things to the table. They bring different things, and we need what you bring. I, I grew up in church, and, I, and I've been to a whole lot of pot, potlucks, and I've learned this. There are seven different types of people that show up at potlucks, and there are seven different types of potluck church attenders. Y'all ready? Maybe I'll try not to be as rough as I was. Oh. The first one, the no-show. The person, oh, I'll be there. You know they're not coming. You know they're not Or it's the one, they're not, they have a hard time committing. You know when you send out those Facebook invites, they don't say I'm coming or I'm not coming. I'm interested. <laughs> don't want to commit. Something better may come up. I'm interested. But they don't commit. 
Uh, they, they don't RSVP. Jesus talks about this type of person. Uh, in fact, look at Galatians 5.13, what he says. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to, be, to live a free life. Just make sure you don't use your freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to do what? Serve one another in love. Can I make an obvious? It's hard to serve one another in love if you don't show up. It's hard to serve if you're not there, if you're not showing up. And one of the most powerful things that I, that I could encourage you to do in this building is just show up. In fact, listen, you, you're not asked to be perfect, just present. Just present. I, there are no perfect people, period. This pastor, I know, hard to believe, going to blow your mind, not perfect. See, mind blown. <laughs> not perfect. Not perfect. Nobody on this stage is perfect. In fact, I told myself, I want to hang a sign on the doors as people come in that says, no perfect people allowed. You come in, you got it together. Listen, don't screw it up for us. We know who we are. No perfect people allowed. The people that play on the stage, the people that serve in the different areas, they're not perfect. You know what sets them apart? The fact that they said, yes, I'll be there. Yes, I'll show up. Yes, I'll serve. Yes, I'll do whatever. That's what makes them different. All right, the second potlucker. Pot, potlucker. Yeah. Not potlucker, potlucker. The one that brings nothing. Come on, y'all know. Some right now, you're thinking of somebody. They show up to every food function there is, and they don't bring anything, but man, they'll eat and then take home leftovers with them. Come on. Was this the part you said I was too harsh on? Oh, just, just ask me. They don't, they're not, they don't bring anything. But, but, but everyone in this room, guys, listen, you need to understand, you have something to bring. Some of you have bought into the lie. Well, tell the reason I don't bring anything is because I don't have anything worth bringing. Or maybe you brought something one time and somebody told you it wasn't good enough. Don't buy into the lie that you don't have anything to bring to the table because that's not what the Bible says about you. In fact, Romans 12, check this out. He says, in his grace, God has given who? All. Given us all different gifts for doing certain things well. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy. If it is serving, serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, encourage. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Don't just pretend to be all in. Bring what you have to the table. Bring it. Some of you have bought the lie, Kelly, I just don't have anything. I'm not like you, Kelly. I'm not like Pastor Bob. I'm not like so-and-so. Let me tell you what God says about you. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork. Another translation says we are God's masterpiece. 
We are there. He created, get this, created Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us, us to do. You, you've got something to bring to the table. You're his handiwork. God has given you abilities, stories, talents, gifts. He's even allowed you to go through some struggles and pains, failures, and setbacks. Those are the things that God wants to use. Don't ever let anybody tell me you don't have anything to bring to the table. I'm telling you, this, these upcoming holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, there's going to be a big hole in our home. My mom passing it. There's going to be a big hole. Mom won't be there to, 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 to be cooking enough for an army, yet still saying, oh, man, I should have made this. Oh, I should have made that. And we've got more food than any of us can eat. And then we said, Mom, sit down and eat. Everybody's okay. Mom said, that's not going to be there. And it's going to be missed. There's going to be a hole there. Now, there's nothing that we can do about that except go on with life. But can I tell you, as a church, when you don't show up and bring what God has given you to bring, there's a hole there. There's something missing. And you can do something about that. I don't ever let anybody tell you, you've got something, bring it, bring it. The next type of potlucker. The just enough for one person potlucker. You know them. They bring one chicken breast. <laughs> they bring a happy meal. They bring one roll. I'm thinking, where's the other 11 in that 12? Did you eat it on the way? What happened? But they bring one. Look what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. My dad used to, to, to use this quote all the time. He, he said, when, when, when God blesses you, he rarely has you in mind. In other words, when God blesses you, he's doing it. So that you can be a conduit to bless somebody else. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul said, use what you've been given to be generous. The problem is when we hear generosity, most of us think of money. Most of us think financial. But I don't believe that's what Paul, that's not the only thing he's talking about. I believe what Paul is saying, hey, be generous. Be generous with your talents, with your gifts, with your time, your story. Uh, Some of you have caregiving abilities. Be generous. Some of you have a smile that can change someone's outlook when they walk in. uh, Share your vulnerability, words of encouragement. Paul says, be generous with your life. Potlucker number four. Y'all ready? Maybe this was it. The complainer. Right now, if you're thinking, good Lord, how many are they? This is you right here. This is you right here. The one that complains about where the potluck's being held at. Who's hosting it? What kind of food are we doing? They're complaining about the no-showers. They're complaining about the person that just bought enough, brought enough for them. They're complaining about everything. Let, let, let's bring that into church attendance. The person that finds reasons to complain, uh, the church is too big. The church is too small. Uh, they don't sing enough hymns. They don't sing enough contemporary worship. Uh, they, they, so-and-so didn't say hi to me today. 
Uh, they, they, it's too cold in here. It's too hot in here. The pastor never wears a suit. The pastor only wears a suit. The music is too loud. I don't like the light. The pre he preaches too long. What's up with the preacher and all his tattoos? What kind of nickname is the bar for a church? <laughs> I could go on and on and on. In fact, that's part of my therapy is writing complaints down that I get. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> Listen to me. I'm not saying you don't have the right to critique some things. But when that is your go-to thing, can I tell you this? If you're looking for something to criticize, you will find it. If you're looking for something to criticize about me as a pastor, listen, there are, you don't have to look far. That's just me being real. You're looking for something to criticize about the worship, about the, the kids' ministry. Listen, but if that's what I'm telling you, something you need to ask God, God, change the way I see things. Change the way I do it. And some of us need to be set free from the constant attitudes of thinking we're everybody's critic. Come on, y'all know the person that shows up and they feel like it's their spiritual gift to tell you you gain weight. Come on. Hey, put on a little bit of weight, didn't you? I really hadn't noticed. <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about. They, they can't see into the pot there. It's always, look what 1 Peter 4 9 says. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Another way to say that is serve one another without complaining. Serve with joy, serve with love, serve without grumbling and complaining. If you're that person that finds yourself constantly complaining, constantly critiquing, own it and ask God to help you with it. Are you with me, church? All right, let's get to the fifth potlucker. The person that eats everything. I'm not talking about the person that goes through the line, oh, I'd like to try a little dab of this. I'd like to try a little dab of this. Oh, let me give me a little bit of this. I'm talking about the person, you know, that you tell your family, whatever we do, let's get in line before so-and-so does, or there will be nothing left to eat. We're talk I'm talking about the person that recruits their kids and their spouse to get an extra plate for them. They eat it because they're not worried about if anybody else has got anything else to eat. They're just worried about, do I have enough? Do I have enough? Look what Philippians 2, 3, 4 says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy. Rather, in humility, look, here's a novel concept. Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. I, I love the way the passion says this. It says this, be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic hum humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possesses, possess a greater concern for what matters to others Instead of your own interests. Can you imagine the cultural shift. How the atmosphere would change. If we began to do that here. If we just begin to put others before us. If we just say. No, no, no man. I got it. I got it. I'll, I'll do that for you. I'm telling you. Culture has got to change. 
the sixth potlucker. The won't try anything new person. You know these types. They don't eat anything unless they brought it. This is what I like. This is the way I like it made. And I'm going to eat this, period. But then you miss out on what a, the great thing about potluckers is. Potlucker. About what a potluck dinner is. You get to try somebody else's take on the most holy, sacred casserole. <laughs> I mean, what, what would a potluck be like if everybody just showed up with fried chicken? That's all there was, fried chicken. What would the potluck look like if everybody just showed up with mac and cheese? That's all we got. How boring. How boring would that be? And that's what I'm talking about. I, I'm t- we need to say, you know what? Oh, this looks good. Can I tell you this? When potluck, you may not like this dish, but somebody else there may. But you're going to spend more time complaining about what you don't like than all the other dishes that you do like. Let's bring that into the church world. So many things I like about this church. But I don't like the way he said screwed up. I'm going to go find me another church. See, we've got this consumer mentality where it's all about me. It's all about me, my needs, my wants. That is not the church. The church is this. God planted me here. There's some, can I tell you, even as pastors, there's some things about the church I don't like. I, can I tell you? Most of it has to do with you guys, but that's not, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. But there are. But, that's, but the reason me and Denise and I are here, this is where God told us to be. This is where God planted us. And this is where I'll be until he says no longer. And so I don't get to pick and choose when God plants me somewhere. I don't get to say, oh, oh that, that offended me, so I'm going to go. What? I, I don't want to get off on that because I could go. I'm telling you, what, the, the great thing about a potluck is we get to enjoy what other people bring. When it comes to the church, can I tell you, we need diversity at the table. We need diversity. We need, di- we, we need dishes from different cultures from different backgrounds. We, we, we need some different dishes. From, we, we need diversity. I want to show you. I'm going to give you a picture of what uh, heaven looks like and what the church, God intended the church to look like. It's found in Revelation. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, and they were standing before the throne and before the land of God. That's what I want what our church to look like. Every nation, every tribe, every language. Most of you know my dad had such a heart for the Hispanic community to the point where he went out and, and bought these translation things they could wear when we had a huge Hispanic population here so they could come in and understand because he wanted to reach every, every culture. Everyone, I'm telling you, not only, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, do I belong? Do I have a seat at the table? Let me be crystal clear. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And don't let anybody tell you any different. Not only do you belong, but we need you here. The seventh and final potluck. The person that says this is us. This is my community. This is my house. These are my people. The person that says, man, I'm going to bring the things that God has given me. I'm going to bring my stories, my ability, the things, my talents and gifts. I'm going to bring them because this is where I belong. These are my people. It's the person that not only wants to tell their story, but they also want to know what your story is. Are you here? That sits down at the table. Tell me what's your story. How did you get to where you're at? One, one of the things on, the, on the, the class, the membership class that we do, and one of the papers they fill out, I ask people to, to give their testimony, brief testimony. Why? I want to know your story. Where you come from. How you got to be here. And that's what the the person says, this is us. It's the person that shows up and says, hey, where do you need me? Where can I serve? Do you need somebody in the nursery? Do you need somebody to put out offering buckets? Do you need somebody to go around and put little, these little connect cards in the back? What do you need from me? I'm here. This is me. I'm here to serve. Need people that will say, you know what? Hey, I don't know about all this stuff. I fix vehicles. I work on, on, on things. Do you know anybody that can't afford to have that fixed? You sit on my way because this is the community I want to be a part of. I want that to be said about us, that we're that church. This is our family. So how do we do that? How do we do that? I think we're headed in the right direction. But I think we've got a long way to go. And if I'm being honest, here is the biggest problem. Not just in our church, but we're looking at this church. Is this one. Far too many of us, I first have far too many bar attenders are acting like guests when we're called to be hosts. Here's what I mean. When Kendall who's friends with, with, with my son Zion, their best friends. And when he first started coming over to the house, he'd come in, we'd be like, hey, can we get you something to drink? Let me, let me show you Let me show you where this is. Let me help you get this. Where's the bathroom? Oh, let me show you where the bathroom is. Let me do that. But after Kendall has been over to their house so many times, he's no longer a guest. He's family. And I've seen him come in, and when other people come in with him, Kendall say, oh, no, I'll tell you where the glasses are. Oh, I'll tell you where the bathroom is. Oh, I can help you get that. Oh, I can help you do that. Why? Because he no longer shows up at our house expecting to be treated like a guest. He shows up expecting to be family. And the problem with a lot of church attenders will show up at church every Sunday as guests. Serve me. Meet my needs. Do what I, and we never take that off to be host and say, how can I serve you? How can I help you? What can I do? Here's my point. When you first come, man, we'll treat you as guests. But there comes a time When you have to say, you know what, whether you've been here six months, a year, five years, 20 years, 
there's comes a time you have to stop expecting being treated like a guest and take on your role as a host. You have to. I know, I know that goes against our culture because our culture teaches us, hey, that it's all about my needs. It's all about my likes. It's all about what I prefer. What has happened is that that culture, that type of thinking has creeped over into the church thinking. Can I be honest? I think that's a valid question. What's in it for me? What do I get? I think that's, that's valid. But when that question becomes the sum of our thinking as it relates to the church, then we've bought into the toxic thinking about the church. What does that, what, what does that look like when you say, Kelly, when it's all about me and I'm buying into that toxic thinking? Well, I hope you'll hear my heart in this because it's about to get real. If you're only concerned about what's in it for you, and you'll show up late or get here whenever you can, whatever's convenient for you. You'll leave early or as soon as the pastor says, bow your head so you can sneak out without anybody noticing. You'll sing a few songs, but hey, they better make sure the words are out there in time for me to be able to read it. They better make sure that music's at the right volume. You'll listen to the message, but you think, man, he better make me laugh today. He better not go over 40, 45 minutes today. You'll say hi to your small group of friends, but you'll never reach beyond. And then you'll leave. Can I tell you, that's not the church. We come here because we are sons and daughters of God. We come here because we are family. We are not perfect, but we come together with our family to worship Jesus, to build one another up, and to go out of here and bring hope to a dying world. Listen to me. Don't be that person that just comes and goes. Don't be that person that never builds any relationships in here. Don't be that person that never invests their time, their energy, their their, their finances finances there what they can do don't be that person that never connects don't just come and go yeah there are practical reasons why i'm telling this practical reasons we need you we need you most churches according to, to a lot of the statistics out there operate at an 80 20 thing meaning 20 percent of the people do 80 percent of the work i'd like to change that around here I'd like to change that. But don't think I'm going to celebrate if we get to 30% or 40% or even 50%. What I want is I want to create a culture where people say, this is us. This is my house. Where can I serve? What can I do for today? Where can I go? What, what, who needs me? Is there somebody that needs something done? We're not called to be bystanders. Here's the truth, as simple, as simple as this. All right, let me give you the spiritual reason for coming and showing up and, and serving. It's about being discipled. It's about obedience. It's about growing. It's about becoming less, less, less self-centered and more outward-focused on other people. And simply put, when you serve, you grow.
telling you, everyone is welcome at this table. Different ethnicities. Tiffany, come up here and take a seat. Kenzie, come up here and take a seat. Kenzie. Faye, would you mind coming up and taking a seat? Welcome to hate putting you on the spot. Bob, would you mind coming up and taking a seat? You and your wife. Y'all, would y'all mind coming up and taking a seat? Huh? I don't care if you got shoes on. They don't pray with shoes, so. Take a seat. We got I'll get you a seat. Let me get you a seat. You understand the culture, me as a pastor here, me and Denise as a pastor here want to build. It has nothing to do with ethnicity. It has nothing with even if you believe like I believe. It has nothing to do with age. This lady right here serves harder than I'm going to see anybody I know in this church. Has nothing to do if you've got a checkered past. Nothing to do with that. Nothing to do if you're black, white, or you really don't know if you're black or white. has nothing to do with whether you're sure you buy into all this or not. Are you following me? Can I, can I take just a couple minutes here? And, and I'm going to do a video blog on this tomorrow about the Kanye West thing. Because I came in last night and I posted something earlier this week that said Kanye West has led more people to Jesus this week than John MacArthur. I come in last night, Denise said, did you see what so-and-so posted on your, on that post you had up there? I said, no. I read it. Well, I'm already fired up. I just come from uh, 100,000 people screaming, ref, you suck. Uh, and, and us winning a big game, so I'm fired up. I said, oh, no, he didn't. Buddy, I began to type. And y'all know me. I don't say go on Facebook and post stuff. I type and respond to this guy. And I saw it to Denise. She said, won't you private message him that? I said, no. He didn't make this private. He made it public. And if he calls himself a follower of Jesus, he's going to get another follower of Jesus' response to his stupidity. And I went over there and I said, I think it's foolish for someone to judge someone's salvation when you don't even know the heart of the person I think it, and, and what really ticked me off is this I watched interviews y'all are doing good by the way I watched interviews uh, with, with Kanye and, and, and Jimmy Kimmel a guy that doesn't even believe in God yet he celebrated the change in Kanye 
And Christians want to come up and say, yeah, oh, I'll just give it a, give, give it a little time. Let's see how he does. Listen, listen, shame on you. Shame on you. How many times have you screwed up and blown in your walk with Christ? How many times? See, we're guilty. We, we, want to, we want grace and grace heaped upon us, but we don't want to get it out there. Let me tell you something. When it came, this game I went to, and you'll hear a lot more and probably a lot meaner attitude tomorrow. I heard one guy over here. F, F you, Garantano. And I mean, just going off on him. I mean, just going off on him. I'm sorry for my Facebook crap. Just be glad. Never mind. And I'm thinking, and finally somebody behind him said, Buddy, he's not even in the game. But here's my, I am a Tennessee Volunteer fan. With that being said, when it comes to winning, I don't care who they pick, put in, if they bring a victory to my team. And when it comes to God's team, if he chooses to use Kanye West to reach people that I can, I don't care who he puts in. And when it comes to what's for our church, I could care less what this table looks like as long as it's with people that care and see people the way God sees them. That's what I care about. Thank you, guys. Don't be seated. That's us. This is us. You're seeing a good example. The only thing is, in a few months, I'm going to be the minority. I believe it. I believe it. Stand with me across this room.